It's great to be here. It's great to see you. Um, uh, I've come back from a bit of a break. Well, I've been around, but keeping a low profile. I uh, wish I could do that for the rest of my life, but anyway, that's another topic. Um, went overseas to Tasmania. Uh, it felt like going overseas, actually, because, uh, you know, when you get on a plane after the last couple of years, it just feels like that's a big thing. Uh, so it's, it's been really good. At the start of this year, you know, Really, let's, let's, let's just admit it, really February is the first month of the year. I think we should just make that, let's just make that official. February is the first, mo first month uh, of the year on the 30th of January. Uh, I think I can say we're starting off the year. Well, we are starting off the year um, as a church with uh, our, a revisit of our three key purposes and values. We refer to them as both purposes and values because they are undergirding values are the things that motivate everything that we do as a church, but they're also purposes. They're the things that guide everything uh, that we do as a church. And uh, that is, of course, pursue God, build community, and grow people. Uh, now, it's, it's kind of a good idea, I think, to revisit these uh, a lot, and maybe even every year, every second year, we'll work out how to do that, because there's so much to say uh, about these three things. They're just so crucial uh, to our journey uh, as a church and as individual Christians. But today, we're gonna to focus on the first of those values and purposes, pursue God. Now, I wanna take a fairly simple approach, not simplistic, uh, but simple, and I wanna pose a really important question. Very simple question, very fundamental question. How can we experience God? How can I experience God? This is a crucial question because first of all, it relates to the deepest longing in our hearts. Whatever else you think that you want and long for, this is the deepest need in the human heart. Often this need expresses itself by us chasing after lots of other things, but this is it. If, if somehow we can, we can get a good direction on this, then we will find our lives in the right orbit. Secondly, this question is validated by the fact that it relates to the very central aspect of God's purpose. God came to us in Jesus Christ to suffer and die on a cross. What? So that we could know about God? So that we could have a correct theory about who God is? No, it was so that we could know God, so that we could be reconciled with God and live in relationship with Him. That, folks, is an experiential thing. Thirdly, the Bible speaks about an experiential faith. Rejoicing in God, it speaks of peace with God, it talks about hope in God, an experience of God's love. For example, Romans 8, for the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. It's a very mysterious verse. My point is, though, there's something experiential here. But here's the problem, and this is why I'm posing this question, because so many conversations that I have with people relate to this, this problem with where is God? I just don't feel like, I, I'm, I just don't feel like God is there. A struggle to really kind of access the presence of God. You know, maybe there are moments of inspiration, you know, emotional moments perhaps, 
But that's not God. God can cause those things, but that's not God. And deep down, we know that sort of thing. Some people even just come to the conclusion that God's not there. That would be a mistake. So this is a constant problem for a lot of people, this sense of inability to access the presence of God, whatever that means. And here is uh, part of the problem that I'm going to talk about uh, today. Interestingly, um, it's not so much the case with new Christians. Uh, new Christians seem to have, particularly those who have, who have just come from black to white, and, and, and of course there's always a process there, but there's something new, there's something, there's a kind of contrast in their lives, they're conscious of something different. And I can remember this when I first became a Christian. I didn't come from a Christian background, but I can remember coming from a place of, of real determined unbelief. I don't believe in God. And then to have this sense of the reality of God dawning on me, I can remember that so distinctly. But it was such a mysterious thing that I couldn't really put my finger on. And yet, as time went on, as a Christian, I can so remember this problem arising. Well, where is God? What was so evident at first started to recede and, and, and this became a struggle for me. Well, 33 years later, and by the way, I'm not 33 years old, just in case you, you thought uh, that. Um, 33 years later from the time uh, I became a Christian, I can testify this has been one of the most amazing journeys uh, in my life. I, I remember actually it was about 13 years ago. I, I can remember feeling that this was everything. It was like this is the, this is the crux. I mean, I was, you know, I've, I've, I always came into this with just uh, pretty, one, pretty much went full on from the moment I became a Christian. I grew a lot and there were lots of things that God did in my life. But I came to this point, this was about 13 years ago, where I thought there must be more than this. It's like I'm kind of fairly disciplined person. I was good at having prayer times, you know, but, you know, I'd look at my watch and, you know, that should do now. It's probably enough. You know, tick the box. Uh, and and I, just, I just can remember realizing, hang on, whoa, whoa, wait a second, like, you know, thankful for everything that God had done in my life, but surely what Jesus did, think of the magnitude of what Jesus did, surely it wasn't just for that, I thought. And there was something of God that was stirring in me, that was driving me to something deeper. And I tell you what, I don't know, whatever I imagined it would be like to have something far more constant and real I don't know what I imagined at the time. I can't even remember what I imagined. I'm, it, I can, I can, you know, I think I can remember some things. I'm going to talk a little bit about that today. But I can honestly say, I'm very careful not to exaggerate too, you know, I don't want to exaggerate. We're about the real thing here. But I can honestly say to you, whatever I expected, it's actually been better than that. Honestly, this has been the most amazing journey of my life. This is, this is a topic, folks, that is so close to my heart. I would say, in fact, that this very topic, this very question around the experience of God has been the source of my greatest joy, but it's also been the source of my greatest struggle. But I want to say to you today that it's worth the struggle. It's worth the struggle. As I said, I'm gonna try and keep this simple. I'm not gonna say 
everything there is to say about this topic. In fact, I think I'm gonna spend the rest of my life talking about this topic, so I don't need to sum it up all in one morning. So I'm gonna keep this simple without being simplistic. And I want to identify a key problem, a key problem. We got lots of problems, so there was lots to choose from. I wanna identify a key problem and point you towards a solution. The problem is encountered in the very way that we even go, the, the way that we even begin to go about attaining some experience of God. It's one of those situations where, and you may know these situations, where you try to make a situation better only to make it worse by the way that you do it. You know, it's like drinking salt water to quench your thirst. Uh, no, nah, that's just gonna make it worse, you know or like trying to you know, heal a broken relationship by punching the other person. Yet no, that's going to make it worse. There are many biblical examples of people trying to secure God's presence by doing things that actually caused a rift between them and God. Uh, we looked just recently at the story of David. Remember, the, remember Saul, King Saul, and how he rushed through a token sacrifice to get God on side. Didn't work out so well, did it? Did the opposite. And then remember David in 1 Chronicles 13. You know, he was, and look, he, is, he had a good heart in this, but you know, he was gonna get the Ark of the of the covenant, the symbol of God's presence. He's gonna get that to Jerusalem in the, center of the, in the center of the people. He wanted to secure God's presence. But who knows, that didn't go very well. He went about it in a way that just made things worse, didn't he? And then there's Aaron, Moses' brother Aaron at Mount Sinai while Moses was up on the mountain and he wanted to assure the people of God's favorable presence with them by in the history of bad ideas, this is one of them, making a golden calf. Is it possible, is it possible that in the way that we pursue God, that we are actually instead creating a golden calf? that just further alienates us from, is it possible? Well, yes, I believe it. It's actually quite probable that you may be doing this right now. I say that because I have done that. I have made golden calves in my quest to secure an experience of God's presence, and it just made things worse. And in fact, it would be very easy for us to do this as a church. You know, it's amazing as, as a pastor, and this is one thing that, that, that I, I, I've, I've often sensed, is the pressure, and I'll own this for myself, is the pressure to provide an experience of God. That is a, a big mistake. Because, you know, people wanna come, right, I'm gonna to go to the church that's gonna provide me with an experience of God. If we did that, 
And churches can easily fall into doing it. I'm not talking about what we do, by the way. I'm talking more about you know, the, the heart behind the way that we do things. But you know, if we did that as a church, right, we're going to you know, create an experience of God for you. It may be good for a little while. It might you know, stir things or whatever. I don't know what, what it would do. But after a little while, and this happens, you would think this isn't really real. And you might then decide that, oh, maybe God isn't real. That happens a lot. Why does it happen? Because the thing that people are worshipping may be not the real God, but a golden calf. Whoa. It's a big topic. You see, do you want the fake thing? Or do you want the real thing? See, I have known the real thing. But I also... I also know what it means to create the false thing. To begin, it's a good place to start at the beginning. To begin to pursue God, we need to acknowledge who God is. We're going to start right there. Our mode of approach must honor God, otherwise we're just going to alienate ourselves from God. Now, of course, God is wonderfully gracious, but that doesn't mean that he's going to allow us to dishonor him. Now, you know, instead he forgives us, like with David. You know, when David got it wrong that first time with the ark in 1 Chronicles 13, he got it wrong, didn't he? But God forgave him and he, had a, and he did it again, did it right. And, you know, God is wonderfully gracious here. Right, get up, you hit a, you hit a brick wall, get up now, do it the right way. So let's, let's try to get this right. Let's remind ourselves of the most crucial fact about God. I'm going to talk about God for a little while. This is a good thing to do in church, isn't it? I'm going to talk about God. God is not a thing. God doesn't even exist like anything. He's more than a great designer. He's more than a first cause. He's more than a power that makes things work. He's more than a force that exerts itself on you or anything else. God doesn't exist like any other thing. Now, this is where I'm going to attempt to say the unsayable, okay? God is not just the origin of things that exist. He is, in a sense, existence itself. Stay with me. He is the reason why there is something rather than nothing. By simply existing, everything already participates in the being of God. In fact, the very consciousness that makes you aware, that allows you to experience everything that you're experiencing right now, your very consciousness is already a participation in something about God who is the ultimate consciousness. Like you are, you are experiencing something about God right now in the most fundamental and constant sense. If you didn't get that, try this. You are experiencing God right now. 
He is just so pervasively and constantly present that you could easily not notice. He is actively at work in every atom in your body, every bit of chemistry in your environment, every physical law that actually is even holding things together is an expression of God. I'm gonna look at some scriptures in a moment, but let's just reflect on that. In fact, think about this. If God withdrew, Sometimes, some, you know, it's the very constancy of this that can cause us not to notice. But if God withdrew right now, we would literally be in hell. On a, we, we are experiencing God right now. Now, whether we Acknowledge that and give glory to God. That's another thing. But we are experiencing this right now. You are experiencing God right now. More of God, in fact, in every millisecond than you could possibly imagine. He absolutely pervades every aspect of your experience and your being right now. Are you sort of getting this? Now let me just put a technical theological footnote because I'm a pedantic person and I'm half German. I'm not, I'm not advocating pantheism. That is, I'm not saying that these physical things are God. I'm saying that these things have the ground of their very existence in God. And even our experience of anything is even a participation of God. There is a movement of God in all things, an active sovereignty holding all things together, creating and sustaining all the time in you and around you. It's absolutely constant. The problem is not that you are not experiencing God. The problem is that you are not aware that you are. The problem may be, and here's why. The problem may be that you are seeking something less than God. The problem may be that you are seeking after something. Perhaps you're looking for a tangible experience, something to show you that God is real. Maybe a sign or a wonder, a power maybe that enables you to do supernatural things. And you know, God does those things, but the things aren't God. Maybe you're looking for things to happen here and there and maybe over there if God, you would do it here or there. But God is a constant, infinite, eternal presence who does not change or fluctuate. Now, he moves, he moves, and I'll talk about that in a moment, but he doesn't change or fluctuate. The question that I ask people, actually, when I have these conversations, and I, I have them a lot, with people who are wanting to experience God but seem to be just struggling with it. I said, what are you even expecting? What, 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 do you, what do you imagine when you think, I want to experience God? What are you even imagining? 
And often it's something. Maybe it's a miracle, but a miracle isn't God. It might be something that God does, but it's not God. If you seek any tangible thing to satisfy your need for God, then that is the essence, actually, of idolatry. Idolatry, let's explain this, very important biblical concept. Idolatry is an endeavor to make God present how we want him to be present. Something that we can handle and understand and experience the way we experience other things. Something that we can point to and say, there he is, hero Israel, are your gods? As Aaron said to the Israelites. No, this actually grieves God. The fact is you are experiencing God right now. Say it again. God is present everywhere in everything. And I'll say it again, it's the constancy. It's like, you know, we would forget, you know, it's easy to forget that air exists. We might forget that air existed if the wind didn't blow every now and again. And when the wind blows, we don't say, oh, the air has come. Nor do we say that there was more air, that there is more air now than there was before. No, the air was always there, it's just that it was stirred up. Uh, there's a term that we used, actually, uh, to refer to when this happened. You know, we talk about low-pressure systems. One of the main ways that God reminds me of his presence is to exert pressure. A low-pressure system. Do you know what happens when low pressure systems come? Happened this week, actually. Who knows what happens when low pressure systems come? You get storms. You get turbulence. God's presence stirs up turbulence so that anything, get this, anything or anyone that is not secured gets blown around doing damage. That's what storms do. Now, God is not the storm. God's not the turbulence. He is perfect constancy. But when he moves, there is turbulence for anyone or anything that is not secured. So when I get blown around and I'm bashing into everything, there's something that I need to respond to. God is saying something. It's interesting, you know, sometimes we have this habit as evangelical Christians because the evangelical movement was really born in great revivals in the 18th and 19th century, you know, the Great Awakening and the Second and Third Great Awakening. I mean, it's, you know, it's, a, it's a amazing, this worldwide movement that is now the fastest growing religious movement, actually, of, in, of any in the world um, uh, right now. Um, I don't know how it's going through COVID, but it's coming back because, anyway, that's another, <laughs> that's another topic. But because we were, you know, we were, we, 
have experienced these great revivals, we can, we, don't we have a wonderful way of, you know, receiving the gifts of God, the things that God does, and then making idols out of them? Like experiences. And then we idolize those experiences. I believe right now that we are in a low pressure system. I believe God's putting pressure. You know, I, I was thinking about this just recently. I have, there has been, certainly in my life, there has been such an acceleration of the work of God in my life more in the last two years than any, any other time in my life. We are in the midst of a low pressure system. Revival isn't up there or out there or sometime. No, it's now. Like, it's happening now if you will step into it. Now, I've got lots more to say about this, but as I said, I really want to keep this simple. I want to say to all of you who are thinking, where is God? All you who are looking for some sign or wonder, some experience, something. You know, and, and those things may happen. They probably will. But maybe you don't see God because you're not looking for God. You're looking for something. See, you need to acknowledge that he is already present. Everything is an expression of God's eternal power and nature. As Paul says in Romans 1.20, he says, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And he goes on to say that the reason that they don't see God is because they keep looking for something here or there, something. They're not looking for God, they're looking for gods as he goes on from verse 21 and I'm reading selectively here for although they knew God they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened they exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised, amen. Notice, how are they forever praised? Because everything is an expression of God's praise. Everything is. Notice he doesn't refer to it as evidence. It's not evidence of God. No, it is praise. The physical world is an evidence, it's praise. Let me tell you there's a difference. And the difference is that if you want to know that glory, if it's just evidence, then you would think about it. But if it's praise, then you know it by joining in. Psalm 19 says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the, uh, proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. It's constant. They have no, 
speech, they use no words, no sound is heard from them, yet their voice goes out into all the earth, their words to the end of the world. If you want to know God, join with these guys. Because you are already experiencing God, you just don't realize it. And it is only as you respond that you become conscious. God has started the conversation. And he's waiting for you to respond. In fact, the more you praise, the more you take up that disposition of response, the more that you will see. And here's why, and this is a point I'm going to finish with. Because acts of praise and worship open our awareness to the God who is already there. Remember I said, the problem is not that God is not present. The problem is that we're not aware that he is. The problem is not that God is absent. Let me put it this way. The problem isn't that God is absent. The problem is that we are absent. Now, the reason for our absence, this is another big topic, and I'm going to talk a lot more about this. Suffice it to say now that we are in a deep state of avoidance, a kind of weird, existential, just felt like using that word, a kind of existential dissociative condition, perhaps. You know, we, it's like we run so fast after things, spinning our identity webs, chasing objects and objectives, distracting ourselves. There's even a religious striving in all of this. And we're just absolutely frenetic all the time. It's like our whole, our culture is rigged to shut out any con contemplative space to enable us to even be aware. I mean, this is acknowledged even by the world. This is, accounts for the rise of, as you may have observed, the rise of mindfulness techniques. Uh, the original book, uh, well, one of the, orig it's, uh, one of the original books in the sort of westernization of this, if I may say that's terrible, uh, but it's, it's kind of true. Uh, John Kabat-Zinn's book, Wherever You Go, There You Are, uh, it's interesting that even in that, he diagnoses this issue with kind of absence. We, we're, we're, it's like we're, we're, we're absent from our own lives. We're not present in every moment, but skimming across the top of life's experiences. We are absent. Now, the solution, I don't think he has the solution, because the problem is a deep spiritual problem, deep avoidance. As I said, I'm going to talk about that more. But for a start, and I'm just suggesting a start here, folks, with all of this activity, this frenetic activity, God is saying quite simply, stop! Stop! Have you ever heard of the fourth commandment? It talks about the Sabbath. And the principle of Sabbath is more than just a day a week. It's more than just the legalistic observance of a day a week. No, it's a vital principle. Stop and make space. Sacred times and places to do what Psalm 46 tells us to do in verse 10, which speaks of this principle of Sabbath. It simply says, be still. And the Hebrew word actually simply is cease. I love that. Just cease 
your activity. Just stop, be still, and know that I am God. We need to stop and allow time to open our awareness. This means that we look more carefully and deliberately. It means to incline our ears to the one who is already present. This is what it means to pursue God. It means to look more carefully, to look more deliberately, to allow time and space to become more aware. You see, because we need to practice a kind of knowing that is different from any other kind of knowing. Because we live in such a shallow, materialistic society, which means, you know, to know something is like it's there. Sorry. But that's not how we know God, because God is not a thing. Do you understand? So we need to practice another way of knowing. A lot of, you know, a lot of people say, oh, yeah, I'm thinking about God. It just doesn't make sense to me. There's your problem. Because you, you, it's like, because you're putting a concept on the table. That's a, a kind of a thing. No, God is way greater than that. Your God is too small. So we need to practice different ways of knowing than we are habituated to. That's why we create these spaces, these sacred spaces. That's why we do this right now. It's why we create space to worship God. It's why... It's why we have the waiting room. You know, I, when, I, when I first felt that was on my heart, that we should come together and just sit still before God, I, I thought, oh man. Like, I was kind of nervous about even suggesting, and I thought, everybody's gonna think that's the worst idea in the world. You wanna do what? And even I felt like, oh, but hang on, that's not what, that's, don't I, need to, don't I need to provide an experience of God? And I felt God say, no. You begin, be still and know that I am God. And when you connect with the God who is there, then everything becomes an expression of his presence. Every beautiful thing, even the music that we play, that is one of the most beautiful expressions of the creativity and harmony of God. That way it can become not our God, but something that expresses God, something to enjoy with God. We are not gonna provide an experience of God for, I'm sorry, We're going for the real thing. Do you want the false thing or do you want the real thing? I'm going for the real thing. That's what it means when we say we're gonna pursue God. So I'm gonna start where I start. I'm gonna get the music team to come up uh, now, I'm going to start by doing something that I do actually when I feel distant from God. I'm going to acknowledge that God is here. That's where we start. Not by striving, by trying to whip ourselves up, not by chasing experience 
but acknowledging the God who is here. Let's stand together. We're going to acknowledge that he is here. It is my desire, folks, that you will go from here in such a way that every experience that you have from right now is in a sense God speaking to you. Every experience, experience itself reminds you, God is here, God is here, God is everywhere, he is here. We are immersed in the presence of God. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that you are here. We acknowledge you are here. That you are moving, Lord, in our midst. And we praise you and thank you for who you are. You are here in our midst. Lord, we thank you for the great miracle that is unfolding right now. The miracle of our very awareness, of our very existence, and of that of everything around us. This constant unfolding miracle. We respond and we praise you for who you are. You are the miracle worker and we're in that miracle right now. And Father, I thank you that you are gonna make a way for each one of us to know you more and more. We praise you. We praise you, Lord. Let's just take a moment. Acknowledge your presence in this place. Thank you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We glorify you. You are great. Oh, you are great.